Good afternoon, everybody. We're going to get started in just a minute, so wrap up your loving on each other and praying for each other. Um, ask uh, Melinda open us in prayer, and then we'll kick off what we're doing. Father, what a pleasure it is to meet with your people, and uh, we just trust in your ability to teach us today, to draw us into a deeper relationship with you, and Holy Spirit, for you to come in ways that we haven't heard before, God. We want to we wanna follow you where you're going, and so we pray now that these words we speak will be directly from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for uh, joining us this morning, and thank you very much, Melinda, for sharing with me sure. the next couple weeks. Uh, Melinda is a powerful uh, person of prayer and leader on our prayer team, and uh, that fits in with what we're talking about. We're not just talking about what's going on with the Awaken uh, prayer packets. Um, we're going to try to set that in a larger context. So let me just remind you again of what we're doing. Uh, it was talked about this morning, and no, you're not going to hell if you don't take a packet. But, you know, because God's not a performance thing. But Santa Claus is watching, and so you may get on a bad list if you don't take it. But seriously, there's a bunch of packets out there, and, and literally, I've, I've committed to make sure those packets are going to be prayed over. So if I, I'm, I may have to go down to, like, partner churches and say, please take some of these packets. So if you can take some to work, if you can take an extra packet, please do that. Um, but we're just joining with almost 300 other churches in the greater Nashville area to break down the names of every person in this area. So we're going to get Williamson County names. we got Williamson County names, and we're praying. Each packet represents 15 names of people we're praying for. And some great things have already started happening. Didn't you share? You want to talk about that yeah, real quick? Where's this is off script here. Carol and Jimmy, when we had the packets, Carol picked up hers, and she sat down. She said, you're not going to believe this. We just moved to a new neighborhood, and I got my neighborhood. Awesome. And then Jimmy... Uh, I forget the connection, but the same thing happened to you, right? That's right. Yeah, one of his best friends um, that lived in the Nashville area, he and Jimmy ended up getting his neighborhood, one of his best friends. So God's already working. <laughs> yep, so, we, you know, today is the launching point, okay? So we're starting today for the next 30 days. Uh, if somebody wants to do this and they start a little bit late, no big deal. Let's, you know, we're not legalists about this, but we are trying to commit to praying these names. So as we go along, this is something that, uh, that I want to say as well. As you're hearing stories like that, let us know. Let's tell the story and celebrate even now what God's doing. Um, I, I want to set off what we're talking about today with, with some wisdom that I was given uh, some years ago. They said when you share, when you're talking with somebody, when you're speaking in any format, uh, one of the things that makes it best is you share out of your experience or share out of your passion. always makes it easier if you're talking about something you care about or something you have some experience with. Uh, and that's what I'm excited about the next two weeks. We're not just talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer in the context of a bigger vision of life. And, and here's the way I think about it. God put us on this planet to be about something more than just us. I had the opportunity at the beginning of this week... Um, Corky and I, my other job, uh, my boss, we get the opportunity anytime there are new deputies in our sheriff's office to speak to them for an entire day. So we tag team. Uh, I inherited the sheriff, uh, who is now the commissioner of uh, Homeland Security. I've, I inherited his classes. So we get to talk to these deputies. And uh, he gave me the class on ethics, um, which I take as an inv invitation to talk about Jesus without quoting him. That's the way I do, <laughs> the way I do it. 
Um, and because people have spoken into my life in times of deep brokenness to call me to a higher way of living. So I talk to our deputies about living for more than just you. That's a passion that I have, and it's a passion that this church has and our prayer team has as well. That's what we're going to be focusing on. We're talking on prayer. We're going to be giving some practical things about prayer, but it's really set in a bigger context about living more than just you. And uh, what Melinda's going to be speaking on a whole lot is her experience of praying and practicing that and leading in this church, praying not just about our own needs, but we call it intercessory prayer, or praying uh, into the world or through the needs of others. You want to talk about that just for a second? Yeah, um, you know, my passion for prayer came really in a similar circumstance that Dean talked about. My life was a mess. And because it was such a mess... I surrendered finally. This has been, you know, back in my early 30s. And when I finally surrendered, not only did God forgive me, but he rescued me. And then he made himself tangible to me every single day. So I was hooked. I was hooked. I thought, why would I not want that every single day? So that's what kind of got me into prayer because I knew I was never alone. And then he walked with me. Um, out of my brokenness and showed me a new path to sit on. So, and then, of course, with intercessory prayer with Albert starting it, um, that passion came into this church when Albert came, and it's just been going like gangbusters. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, this church is full of ways to pray. We've got like 11 or 12 ways that you, we have the opportunity to pray in this church. And so the beauty of it is, it's not all my idea. It's not all Albert's idea. If you feel called to start something in prayer, start it. Start it. That's, that's what this is about. So we want you to raise up newness in the prayer ministry as well. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. It was wonderful to have that passage, the background today uh, that Will was talking about. I would love, wouldn't it be great to have God shock us with his answer to prayer? Isn't that great? I, I mean, we can pray big things, and I'm looking forward to this this simple prayer movement. I think God's going to shock the churches. They're saying, hey, we're going to do this great effort, 300 churches. I think we're going to have, um, if we will give him the opportunity, I think we're going to have uh, mouths open and jaws drop by the end by the work of the Holy Spirit. So here's the picture. What I w want to try to do here is give kind of a, a biblical vision and background together with very practical practices that we can do in this. So I want to give a, a picture. If you, if you flip to Genesis 1 on your phones or your Bible, just a quick look at this very familiar story. I share this. Actually, um, Melinda, this isn't even in my notes, but uh, this is fulfilling a promise I made to my daughter when she was about seven. And it's only a piece of this. But I remember one time she was struggling a little bit. I could sense with already with science and faith, you know, that, that there doesn't need to be a struggle between those two, but sometimes it is. And so I told her some things about my, my perspective on Genesis 1 and 2. Okay, I'll just say this. You don't have to believe me here. I don't think Genesis 1 and 2 is written as a biology textbook to be played on A&E biography for exactly how God did things. I think God is making some very important theological truths. That's me. You can disagree. It's fine. But when I told my daughter some things on this, she said, I kid you not, seven years old. She said, Dad, this is the most important thing you've ever told me. It's not true, and it, I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't say that today. But this is what she said. You need to teach this in every church you're in. 
So I'm trying to fulfill this. This is my chance to do that here. Now, I won't do all of it. The cool part that she really liked, I don't have time to talk about. But here's the picture. I, I saw what is going on in Genesis 1. Um, I want you to picture with me for a moment what happened on days 1, 2, and 3. By the way, here, here's where we're going with this. Why are we on the planet? Uh, this is what I, I talked about with our deputies this week. I just wasn't quoting the Bible. Why are you here? I think you find out in the first couple chapters of the Bible. So think about this. What does God do on days uh, one, two, and three? On day one, what does God make? Light and dark. Now, don't say the sun sudden in there till day four, okay? Light and dark, night and day. That's on day one. What does he do on day two? What does he make on day two? Follow me. This sounds like boring Bible stuff. It's powerful. What does he make on day two? Sky and sea, right? So day one, night and dark. Uh, day two, sky and sea. What does he make on day three? What does he separate out? The land, the dry land. I want you to get this picture. Imagine on one side, days one, two, and three. Night and dark, night and day, right? Sky and sea, and then land and plants. All of that's day one, two, and three. Uh, so let's just think about it. Here, I never thought about this, but if you line them up, there is something very beautiful happening in the pattern between days one, two, and three. In days four, five, and six. So uh, rem remember, day one, again, is what? Night and day. What does he make on day four? Stars, sun, moon, and stars. So you've got night and day. You've got light and dark. And then you've got the stuff that makes light and dark. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, day two is sky and seas. What does he make on day five that corresponds with it? Birds and fish. And then he makes dirt, so to speak, on day three, the land, and plants. What does he make on day six? People that live on the land and people who eat this. So think about this. Here's the beauty of the pattern of creation. God takes and makes empty spaces, and then what does he do? He fills them up. Hear this. This is huge. God takes empty spaces... And fills them up. Now, in verses 26 through 28, he tells you why you're here. He said, let us make mankind in our image. In the image of God, he made us. Male and female. We need each other to image God. Male and female. And then he says, go out. Did you notice what he says? What are we supposed to do? Fill the earth. Do you get this picture? This is incredible to me. What are we on the planet for? We are here to continue the creative act of God. We find, hear this, what is empty, and by the giftedness of God, what do we do? We fill it up. We join with God. Now, it's only His power. This is why. Uh, you think of all the passages in Scripture. My cup overflows. God fills us up. Why? So that we can be selfish. And No. He fills us up so that we can do what? Fill up the empty places in the world. Why are you here? To find what is empty and fill it up. Another image? Another image? It's the first picture of the Holy Spirit you get in the Bible. What is the Holy Spirit doing at the beginning? It says the Spirit of God was what? Hovering over, and I'm going to uh, kind of literally translate it, over the chaos. 
In the ancient world, the waters of chaos were actually a goddess named Tiamat. There was a goddess. We don't have that kind of world. But he is hovering over the chaos. And then what does God do throughout creation? He takes what is chaotic and he brings order to it. So God also goes on to say in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, that we're here to exercise dominion. Does that mean we go beat things up? No. We take what is chaotic and bring order to it. We are invited to join with God in his creative work in the world. That is why if you are a musician, you find hearts that are empty or lonely and you fill it up with music. If you have words, then you fill it up with words. If you have acts of service and mission that will go and do that, you, you, just, you see what I'm doing? Everybody gets to get in on this, not just people who stand in this place. That's why we're here, to join with God in the creative acts of filling up empty spaces in the world, and you get to do that every day of your life with whatever giftedness you have. Now, I asked Melinda to think about how does prayer fit into that vision of what God's doing in the world and inviting us to do? Okay, so let's look at a totally different part of Scripture, which is in Luke 11. When uh, I saw Dean's outline and saw that he was going to be talking about, um, you know, creation, I thought, well, this is weird, this is awkward, because I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about a demon-possessed man. Now, in Luke 11, let me just read it instead of telling you here. Luke 11, verse 24. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. So there was emptiness that needed to be filled. Okay? Totally different take on it. Now, left to our own, we are going to fill things with whatever's in front of us. Right? Our work, our whatever, school, whatever it is, we, we fill it with what's in front of us. But... You know, God shows us many times in Scripture that the way to fill us is to sit with him. And so in Psalm 5, I think, I think it's 5-3, he says, uh, or the psalmist says, in the morning, I, um, let me make sure I get it right. The morning, you hear my voice, O Lord. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. You see, you've slept all night, you're rested, your belly's empty, and you get up, and what are you going to do? You're going to fill your day. So God is saying, the morning is a great time to let me fill your day. Because if you've got an empty space, I can fill you with my grace. And then when you walk out the door, you are so fully filled with the grace of God, that you bring that into, into the emptiness of the world. That is where we pour out into the world. Um, you may have heard of, of a pastor, his name is Jeremiah Johnson, I think he's in Dallas, but he, talk, he wrote an article and he talked about having a dream. And in this dream, two angels came to him. And the first angel was carrying a broom and the second angel had this beautiful weight of glory that he was carrying. 
he was shining brightly, just this brilliant light surrounded him. And the message of that dream to him was how you receive the first angel will determine whether you see the second angel. In other words, you have got to find those places in your life that aren't supposed to be there and sweep them out. Let's sweep it clean. Get rid of all the junk that's either in here or up here and sweep it out of your life because I have something better. I have the weight of my glory that I want to bring on you. And incidentally, when I read that, um, it really caught my attention because in my own prayer time in the morning, I had been hearing the same thing. I had been hearing God say to me, Melinda, you need to get your house in order. Not in like a morbid, you're going to die tomorrow kind of day but or way, but get your house in order. Sweep out all the stuff that you don't need, that, that isn't necessary, and let me fill it with my glory. You know, I see what we're doing here at church in the physical realm. We're sweeping things out. We're cleaning closets. We're painting. We're refreshing. And we're praying that God is also spiritually going to clean this house out and that he's going to bring his glory here because that's what we desire. Now, there's a second part to that, a little bit different. It, um, it goes maybe to more of the world, like what we're talking about. This is what I've just said is kind of who we are individually and maybe even as our church. But in the world, God has gifted um, and raised up intercessors for the world, for the nations. He has raised up intercessors for America, people like um, Dutch Sheets, Lou Engel, Cindy Jacobs, others. Albert knows them. He's buddies with them. And um, he has raised them up for a specific purpose, and that is to pray awakening and revival in the, in the nation. Um, in the spirit realm, this is what we need to understand when we're talking about prayer. In the spirit realm, there is a battle taking place. So if you're an intercessor, you aren't just praying. You are battling. You are contending for those things that God wants. So just because we don't see it with our eyes, it, you know, the spiritual battle, we know it's happening because of the evil in the world, right? So our job, as Dean's talked about, who are we? What's our purpose? Our job in filling the space is pushing back the darkness. We have to push back the darkness. There are demonic spirits over nations. There are demonic spirits over churches, over families, over people groups everywhere. And they are sinking in so deep because they know they can. And that's why you have the mess in the world. But here's the thing. If we want to get involved first, we have to... Um, recognize that there's a spirit realm. Believe it or not, people, there's a lot of people that go to church that don't think about a spirit realm. That's first, we have to recognize it. Secondly, we have to decide to participate. And then third, we have to bring it to light. Chaos thrives in darkness. But when light is shown on chaos, just like the um, creation story, when light is brought to chaos, it brings order and it loses a lot of its power. One thing I pray for regularly is um, those things that hide in darkness. They sow 
discontent and bitterness. And that permeates things. Nobody will talk about it, but it just permeates everything. And so I pray for that regularly. Anything in my own home, anything in this church that breeds discontent, that we would shine light on it and deal with it. Um, let me give you an example. Um, another thing nobody likes to talk about, okay? All right, over America, for example, there's one battle we're fighting, and that is abortion. Um, most of us have heard what happened last week with the law in New York that was passed, and it's horrendous that you can kill a baby on his birthday, basically. It is awful. Well, it's being celebrated, and why is that? Because light hasn't shone on it, but now we are. We're seeing the darkness. Now, these, ancient, these are ancient spirits of Ashtaroth and Moloch. They are the Baal gods of sexual depravity and child sacrifice. That's, that's who they are. They've been around since the beginning of time. And America is now sacrificing to those same gods just like the Israelites did. And what happened to the Israelites? You see, we are all engaged. We need to all be engaged in this battle because this isn't something that somebody else has done. And, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm good and I, I'm not going to do that. So that's, you know, God, deal with these people. Mm -mm. The world is in the mess it's in because God's people haven't prayed. We haven't jumped into the battle and push back that darkness. We've let the darkness fill all these spaces, and we haven't done our job. Um, that is what God says about um, us joining him in recreating the world. I'm praying every day that uh, abortion will be turned back, and I hope it's in my lifetime. But those are curses on our nation. They are blood guilt. And the only thing that will tear down those high places is prayer. Sorry, I know I went long. <laughs> That's fine. Don't get I me started. No, no, I want you to be the one. <laughs> um, and I think about this, too, that uh, I love that image of, of what we're doing as we, as we collectively as a church pray for each other, pray for this community. And again, think just for a moment about 15 names of people that you don't know or sometimes God will surprise you and you do know them. Um, again, I was thinking about uh, talking with our deputies. There were... There were pretty much all guys and one, one lady in the room, and I said, uh, part of what I've learned, again, sometimes the hard way, is that we're not fighting anymore the battles of our country. Um, we're wimps in this country. Uh, and I have the opportunity to speak a lot to men, and I speak, again, out of my own experience. Uh, I have not sometimes fought the battles of men. And I'm thinking now about, and so I'm calling them, but I'm also speaking to myself. Are we going to step in and fight for people, for, for hearts that matter, even for the folks who have experienced things like that? I'm telling you, in our church, our church will be full of people who've experienced abortion or pains like that, and we need to fight for the grace that comes in when we have stepped into the darkness, right? And we get the chance to do that, too. I say all that to say... It may be possible, again, I don't want to overshoot it. God's going to do his thing, whether we join him or not. But we get the opportunity to be battling for the hearts and the lives of 15 people over the next 30 days. And they may not even know it. How cool is that to say, I'm going to be in your corner. I think about how many of those folks that are 15 names don't have fathers. Fathers have checked out. 
don't have somebody in their life speaking into their hearts. I think about the blessing we have in this church of not just parents, but ministers and volunteers and people that surround our kids and say to them, not just in words but in actions, you matter and we love you and so does God. For the next month, you get the opportunity to pray that kind of thing into the lives of 15 people who at least this month might not have that otherwise. So thank you for calling us to that vision. You don't know what things we're fighting, what spirits are at work in the houses and the families of those people that we're praying for. Again, can we step into that just like the sermon today and pray whether we even believe it or not, and then God will shock us. The other observation I want to make out of Genesis chapter 1, there's a lot there. Part of it is this image of filling up the empty places and, and, and rooting out the chaos. The other is the simple thing that God used to create the world. How did he do it? He could have just imagined it, and it happens. But you know the repeated refrain throughout. It says three words again and again and again. What? And God said. God chose to speak creation into existence. God spoke it. And of course, we know the imagery that, that is played off here. There's something rooted back then that we would only understand more fully later on as God revealed himself in the New Testament. Let me read the companion verse to Genesis chapter 1, as you know, I'm sure, in John chapter 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Listen to this. Through him. All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all humankind. I think about this. How staggering is this? We've got four tellings of the gospel story. And when John's going to tell the story of all the images he could use to say this is who Jesus is and this is who God is, he chose the word, word. I think about how, and God chooses to create the world. How does he choose to create the world? Through words. There is incredible power in words. Uh, you may know, I'm sure you've heard enough sermons and messages on this. I love the creativity and imagination behind the telling of the Jesus story. When John chose to do this, he chose a word, logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. He chose a word that would speak to both his Greek audience and his Jewish audience. To the Jewish audience, when you hear the word, word, you're thinking of the, of the mighty, enacting, powerful word of God that we see in the beginning of creation. To the Greeks, they use that word in philosophy. They didn't even necessarily believe in the God we're talking about, but they believed that there was some force in the universe that held everything together. Hear that. What the Logos was is the force in the world that holds everything together. And John says, that's Jesus. You don't even know it. You don't know his name yet. But I'm telling you, you understand there's something that holds all this mess together. Those 15 people may not even believe in God. But I guarantee there's something inside of them that longs for the chaos to be held together in some way. To have some powerful word that's spoken into them. And isn't it beautiful? God says words really matter. Now, those who know me know... I, the, First thing I'll tell you is you don't have to pray with words at all. There's meditative and contemplative ways of praying that I find to be incredibly powerful. And God says words matter. 
And think about this. Again, we're inviting each of us, God's calling, I think, this whole city to come together in a way that says, if I spoke creation into existence with words, if I took what was chaotic and brought order out of it using words, I'm inviting you to do the same thing for 15 people in your life that you don't even know and for this church and the community. God says, use words. And it's not your power, that's the beautiful thing. But because the Logos has come, the word of God has come, and this isn't not just a metaphor, this is the body of Christ. When we use words, he steps right along with us and empowers those words to recreate the life of other people. Does that make sense? So God uses the power of words in prayer, and Melinda's going to talk a little bit about that. What, is, what does that look like for you? Most uh, mature intercessors that I read and follow, um, those who have been at it a long time will tell you that praying the word is where the power is. Um, when you know the word of God and you can pray that back to him, that is power. Um, scripture tells us that you can ask anything according to his will and he'll do it for you. Well, the important phrase there is according to my will. And the only way to know the will is to know the word. We have been a people lacking power because we don't know the word. And so what we end up doing is either asking for things that God didn't promise or we just don't ask because we're going to be disappointed and we're not going to get it. Um, and I have to tell you, that is something actually that God has been speaking to me about this year, this very year. Um, he, he has reminded me that he is the God who brings freedom. And yet, I live as if I'm captive. I live this defeatist attitude like, well, I have to carry my cross, you know. But he's saying, no, live. I want you to live in victory. I bought that for you. Why wouldn't you live in victory? And so early this year, he actually uh, gave me a scripture to um, remember and to pray. And that is in 2 Corinthians 1.20. And it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to his glory. So do you see the partnership there, like Dean's talking about, that it takes both of us? The partnership, promises God has made, spoken by us. He promises, we speak. We speak it out. So that should excite you, because it does me. I think, really? I mean, these promises, he says, they're yes. I want you to go for it. I have already bought this for you. I want you to pray and ask me um, anything according to my will, and I'm going to delight in giving that to you. So he wants us to declare victory over our church, over our nation, over these 15 people that we're praying for every day. Speak victory over that family. You know nothing about them, but it doesn't matter because God knows everything. He made them. He, he knit them together in his in their mother's womb. He knows exactly what is going on in their home. So pray life over that person. Now, let me say one thing here. This is not a name it and claim it 
kind of gospel that's so popular right now. That, oh, you can say, well, God loves me, and he's going to give me a million dollars, and I claim it in Jesus' name. It's not really it. So we don't want to go in there. We have to know the word. Know the word and know the promises. Now, um, a word that I pray almost every single day is the word revelation. Um, I ask for revelation from him almost every day. I know that there is nothing I can do apart from him. I can't pray apart from him. I can't serve apart from him. I can't read scripture and have it make sense unless he imparts revelation to me. Um, I like to look at Galatians um, where Paul Paul is with the Galatians and he's about to give them his testimony and it's in Galatians 1 um, starting in verse 11 he says I want you to know brothers oh by the way he was he was trying to give his testimony okay so he was the one who um, was persecuting Christians remember and then he had that dramatic um, revelation on the road to Damascus and it changed everything well this is what he says I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, we don't talk about that much. That sounds a little too charismatic for our taste, right? But let me tell you something, it's time that we start talking about it, all right? This is a part of our faith that was given to us, and it's available to us. He would like to give you revelation. He today still gives dreams that are instructive, prophetic. He gives visions still today that help us see what he's doing. These, especially when you're in prayer and worship, these are much more common than you think. So don't think that was just for the select few that followed him day after day. You are a select person that follows him day by day. This is available to you. Think about Daniel. I mean, the scripture's full of revelation and encounters with God. Daniel, Moses, uh, Jacob, John. I mean, it goes on and on and on. These encounters that people have had either with Jesus or with angels sent to minister to them. This is important. Pray for revelation. One of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 33, 3, and it says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. In other words, he's saying, if you call to me, I will tell you things that you can't find in a book. You cannot look this up. It's directly from me to you. Now, wouldn't you like, that excites me, doesn't it, you? To think that the God of the universe would meet me in my prayer and give me revelation that I, I could have even apart from the written word. The word is important and he wants you to know it, but he also wants to just encounter you. Um, frankly, it has become part of my experience 
and it's one that I long for every single day. I don't get an encounter every day, but when I do, and I've had several, when I get those encounters, I just want more. I want more of him. I just want to I I go deeper to find out the truths that I can't look up in a book that he has for me. Anyway. I love that. Again, here, here's part of what I'm imagining is, hap- is going to happen, at least for me and hopefully for, for all of us. When we take a concentrated time in prayer and think about how God did this in this church, two different sources called us to an, a, a time of focused prayer. Uh, without even knowing these conversations were going on about the awakened thing, Patrick had already decided to teach on spiritual disciplines, had already decided to call us to uh, 40 days of prayer of Scripture. Now, isn't it beautiful how these things are coming together? And they, they're not separate things for me. There's a little booklet in your packet that will give you suggestions to pray. But I like just listen to what God's already told us. Take the prayers that we're already praying in Scripture and apply it to the people we're praying for to our church here and our families, right? Um, God can lead those words that he spoke back then to be the promises for the people. We don't even know how he's going to do it today. I just think it's a beautiful thing. Also, I would throw in there, I love, I, I don't, can't remember exactly how you said it, but God will take our words and make them his words, and God will take his word and make them ours, right? That beautiful dance. I remember a friend of mine just pointed this out when he was talking about journaling. Um, he started just kind of writing journals, and he would go back and read his own journal, and it became, oh my gosh, God's telling me this through my own words. Isn't that amazing? And then I thought, well, he's done that for a long, long time. Let me just give you one very common example. People in in my regular class know this is so important to me. Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Um, That started as a journal. Ever think about that? It's just a journal entry. David is crying out to God. He's probably singing it. Um, he's, He's writing down, God, I don't see you or hear you right now. Those were David's words, period. And he gave them to God, and in time, God took those words and gave them back, not just to David, but to the church. This has been the prayer book of the church for over 3,000 years. Isn't that amazing? It started as a human being's journal, and it became the very word of God to you and me, that in the times I feel empty and alone, God comes in and speaks to us. Isn't that amazing? And he will do the very same thing. In other words, what part, part of what hits me, even as I hear you share, that we're praying for 15 names and we're praying for the church and praying for the world, but you know who's going to, ch- God is going to change most through that? Me and you and whoever chooses to pray, right? God is recreating us even as he invites us to be part of his recreation of the world around. So I, I think about this, the next 30 days, it seems like God is trying to get our attention. Now, some folks in this church have had that attention for a long time, but God is saying, 300 churches are praying. <laughs> and already our, our pastor said, pray, and a thousand other ways. And we got a board over there about fa- God has been calling us to prayer. Maybe he's just saying, try me in this. Not in the gumball machine thing, not in the name it and claim it, but can you let me surprise you all over again with the wonder and the power of prayer? Um, I, I think about it this way. I grew up thinking... And I would hear a sermon like today, and not, not because of the person preaching it, because of me. I hear prayer as a duty. I hear prayer as a burden. I hear prayer as something I have to do in order to be a good Christian or whatever. What I'm beginning to learn, that 
that prayer is not a duty, it is a delight. It is an honor. It is an opportunity to be that person at the door, that slave at the door, hearing the voice of an answered prayer and not even believing it yourself. I get a chance to see that. Um, I wish I could give you all the background of this. I wish I could give you the force of how God has given this to me over the course of the last three months now. But I had a friend of mine that I hadn't talked to in five years who called me three months ago, talked for three hours about a crisis he was going through in his life. And I was far from the only one who began praying for him and some fasting for him and focusing on him and his family. And I wish I could read to you the text I've gotten in the last couple of weeks. Things are difficult. Things are painful. And, and I, I see a text that talks about new life and new birth in his family, in his relationships, and in his life. And he said, I feel free. And if you ask him, not me, you ask him, what has been the difference of the last three months? He said, every person I run into keeps telling me they're praying for me and for our family. And I step back and say, oh my gosh, it's not because God says pray for people. It's because what an incredible honor, joy, and delight it is to witness what God does when God's people say, I'm actually going to believe you show up. And I'll throw some words into the mix to see what you might do as you hover over the waters of chaos in another human life. What an incredible honor and delight. So that's my experience. I wanted to wrap this Yeah. Um, you know, if you pray, sometimes it's very tempting to go, oh, I prayed for that and it happened. Like, ooh, look at me. Every prayer that's ever spoken originates in the heart of God. Every one of them. He just gives us the grace to join him in that prayer. He says, you know, this is what I'm going to do, do in this person's life, so why don't you join me in it? So that, it's so fun to watch things that you pray for happen, but it's because God desired that for whoever you're praying for. Just to finish up a couple of practical things, um, there are a lot of times in prayer that either I'm really tired in the morning or whatever it is, I, I will just sit with my hands open and say, God, what do you want from me today? And just instead of reading out a list or whatever, I'll just kind of sit there and soak him in. What will please you today, God? What do you want me to see? How can I be an example today? Or what do you want to do in my own heart today? That's prayer too. Just sitting with the Lord and let, letting him spend uninterrupted time with you. You know, we're all real comfortable with noise these days. But when we can sit quietly and just let him fill that empty space that is there, it will be rewarded every time. So don't let this awaken, intimidate you at all. Um, you can sit there with a list of names, and God can see, by the way. He has eyes to see. You can lay that list before him and just say, here it is. What do you have for me today? Do you want to close us out, or do you want to? Yeah, let's just say, let's say one thing here. Just, just keep this in your mind. I just, for the next 30 days, not just about this, but ask yourself the question that I invited our deputies to ask. 
just for the next 30 days, not for the rest of your life, why are you here? Why are you here? And I'm just telling you out of my experience, if the answer to that question is not bigger than you or even your family, then we are selling out. To, it's not like we're going to hell or anything. We're missing out on the delightful, creative act of God he is inviting us to join with him in. So just the next 30 days, why are you here? And maybe let's ask, why are we here in relation to these 15 names? Um, I'm going to pray over us before we go. Um, I want to let you in on a little secret. Um, in one of my encounters with God, um, he gave me a list of things to do, not in a legalistic way. But he said, it's time to start doing this for people. And one of those things was what I mentioned earlier, speak life over your family speak life over this church so i'm going to do that today so let's bow father we sit before you knowing that we can do nothing apart from you you are the god of abraham isaac and jacob fully capable and desiring to reveal yourself to us god we want to hunger for you we need you to help us hunger for you. God, will you revive in our spirits a deep desire to see you high and lifted up. Father, we repent of our unbelief and we repent of quenching the fire of the Holy Spirit. Father, I want to speak life and victory over this church today, the one that you bought and paid for, Jesus. We want all the promises that you have made to us, and we ask for them here today. We ask for freedom for the captives, sight for the blind, chains that are broken. We ask that the scales would be removed from our eyes that we might see you clearly. We ask for the spirit of grace to come and settle over us, making us righteous and holy. God, help us sweep clean the places in our heart, making us ready to receive your glory. Father, we ask for the weight of your glory to come upon this church. Come, Holy Spirit. We want more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.